This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Daniel Henderson. And this is a film podcast that rules all others. Let's get serious. I'm being like like extra boastful about this podcast in the like latest episodes. And I don't know if this is a road you want to go down, but we're going down it. I'm fine to go down it. (laughs) I believe you. It's funny because it's the summer... It's a beautiful time of the year. It's supposed to be like a sunny, positive, perky part of the year. And right now I'm just like, I am not feeling it. Like, I'm just like a grump. And I went into my local coffee shop. And this coffee shop is the definition of like summertime, good time vibes. Like the branding of it. It's all like bright rainbow colors, all the furniture is white, and every person that works there, I feel like they're cult members. There's like a cult member-y vibe to them. To the point where they forget that customers come in and exist. Like, it's like they're in their own bubble of employee bubbles. Have you ever experienced this before in any of your jobs? I have experienced it in as a customer. Yes. Primarily in LA. Um, where you're standing there and you're like, I would like a coffee, please. And everyone is just like busy behind the counter whisking. Like there's nobody else in the store, but they're like whisking and listening to music and talking to each other about their schedules. And I'm like, I would still like a coffee, please. <laughs> and it's 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 impossible to interrupt because you just feel like a dick. But yes. also you're like I thought we had an unspoken rule that, like, I'm here for a thing that you have. Yes. (laughs) So can you give it to me, please? (laughs) I I come into this coffee shop, and it's packed. It is packed full of people. There's never anywhere to sit. Like, people are, like, starting their, like, venture capital companies there. I mean, it's, like, a fucking nightmare, right? And everybody that's there is also, like, complicit in the vibe. Like, they're all, like, wearing, like handlebar David Koresh glasses and they all have like ironic mustaches and like, you know, one earring. They look like fucking Tom Sandoval, you know, like white fingernail polish. Like everybody has that vibe to them, right? Even the customers. But then when you show up to the counter, they're all like, there's a hundred people working, right? So it's kind of the thing where like there's many people working and then they do not say hi to you. They do not recognize that you're there. They're too busy. Like, literally today, I was, like, watching four people look at some some kind of, like, TikTok or something, and then they were talking about how one of the people in the back was, like, microdosing today, and they were feeling better today. Like, and it was, like, they were just, like, in their own world, and I was, like, 
standing there like, pay attention to me. Like, what are you doing? Are you hanging out? Like, (laughs) and then when they finally did notice me, it was kind of this like slow roll (laughs) and like, oh, what's up? What's up is that I'm tired and I need coffee. (laughs) Yes. And it was early in the morning and I was, you know, I was definitely at a grumpy point, but I was like, I cannot believe these people don't care. <laughs> here. I know. You know what's, what's hilarious is that we got an email recently and it was a very nice email and we might read it on a show coming up, but we got this really nice email and and someone signed off like calling us grumpy, like, oh, thanks for being grumpy and blah, blah. And it, it was, again, like nice spirited. <laughs> But I instantly was like, why is everyone always calling us grumpy? And now I'm like, oh, it's because of this. Because, like, we are grumpy sometimes. But I am grumpy about coffee always if I'm not getting it. And I definitely think it's a it's a weird generational thing. And I'm, like, I hate, hate to bring up the generational divide. But I think that there's, like, you know, these are the kinds of jobs that – by and large, are populated by younger people. It's like yes. a good entry point. You can make tips. You can, you know, work in the morning and then have the rest of your day to yourself. Like, that's why I loved working in coffee shops when I was younger. You know, getting up early wasn't my thing, but I loved like, oh, I'm done at like noon <laughs> or like one o'clock for, for the most part. And so I get it. Like, you can work another job. You can go to school. Like, I totally get it. But the thing that's missing lately, I think, and over the last few years, and this is why I think it's generational, is there's this kind of pressing notion that, like, I'm above it. Like, I shouldn't be doing this work because I'm so much cooler and better than this. And when that happens, when that attitude infiltrates a coffee shop, per se, I think it then becomes like, like, they think we're all in it together and we're not. And I'm like, oh, there's still a basic level of customer service that you have to have if you're working a face-to-face job. And it doesn't mean you have to love it, and it doesn't mean you have to, like, buy into it or whatever. But if you're offering a product, you have to say hello to people and make them understand that it's, like, their turn. (laughs) Or, like, you know, invite them into the process so that you can get them out of there and go back to watching TikTok or whatever the fuck. But, like, that has gone out the window. Like, there's no more unspoken customer service level. God, I sound like such a fucking boomer right now. But it's true. It's like... (laughs) There's just no basic level of give a shit because everyone thinks like, I'm above this job. I don't want to do this job. I'm not making enough money on this job. So I'm not going to actually perform the job, <laughs> even though I'm yes. at the job. <laughs> well, and like that, that I think too, I mean, this is a thing that has completely changed from the era when I worked in coffee shops, which are that. Now coffee shops are like museums, like galleries where like hip, artsy people work and then the coffee is like $8 and it's like this whole vibe. Whereas like when I worked in coffee shops in like the late 90s, early 2000s, like not all the employees were young and hot and interesting. Like I was in working coffee shops with like middle-aged women who were Mm -hmm. wearing like multiple lanyards, even though we did not need lanyards for anything. We did not have swipe cards. It was just part of their look was that they wore lanyard things around their necks and they would come in in the mornings with 
like 96 ounce insulated mugs from like a gas station filled with like Diet Coke. And they would take smoke breaks. Like these are people that I used to work in coffee shops with. Like I never worked in coffee shops with people who were like microdosing and doing art and then like are influencers. I mean, I just was like, this is such a weird vibe. Like, yeah. And I'm, and that's kind of, I think, like what the disconnect for me is, is that I'm just like, well, they're just there to like hang out and look cute. And, th- and that I think too is also like something that's very new to Atlanta, at least like in the time that I've been back, which is that Atlanta is full on Los Angeles now, like in right. so many fucking ways. Because it used to be that Atlanta coffee shops, even if they were cool, like the cool ones that you would go to that were staffed by people in bands and shit, they were a little rough. They were bohemian, a little rough around the edges, but friendly, like neighborhoody and friendly. Okay. Exactly. But I'm just saying, like, it just feels like the culture of the coffee shop has changed since my day, but also in my town. Yeah. And I sound like a boomer, too. What the fuck? We're boomers Well, I know. Today. Like, we sound like 100 years old, but it's it's true that, like, the culture has changed. The coffee culture has changed, and now it's, like, a place to be seen instead of a place to get coffee. And I think that's because, you know, a lot, again, obviously— 900 years old here but like people have computers now so they can sit around all day and they can make it like a real hangout spot a lot of people are living at home so they need a place to go where they can just like chill out all day and feel like they're you know a vibrant 23 year old or whatever it is like i get all of that i totally get it and that's why i don't sit in the coffee shop that's why i usually go get my coffee and fucking leave but when it comes to like getting the product that's when i get pissed because i'm like oh oh you do have no interest in even like giving me coffee like you're here, you're so much into the culture and the being seen and like this is your friends, like where your friends are and everything that like you don't even want to do the job. Yeah. And that was not my experience either. Like I, 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 I will just say this. I have not seen hustle in a coffee shop in about 40 fucking years. Like I haven't seen anyone hustle in a coffee shop since I worked in one. Yeah. The, the only hustle in a coffee shop that you ever see now is if you're like at the airport. Like, the people working at the coffee shops in the airport are actually working. Everybody else that's just, like, at a coffee shop where everyone's sitting around and listening to, I don't know, like, ambient EDM or something. Like, and it's very, like, bright and cool and influencery. And I'm just like, I don't know. the, The funniest thing to me, too, was, like, in the 90s, Making like the the culture at that time was like it like the stereotype of the coffee shop was like literally like the feather pen in hand, beatnik bohemian, you know beret wearing bullshit. And right. compared to what it is now, I miss it. I'm like, can we p- please bring back a really poorly designed coffee shop that has pictures of like fucking Shakespeare with like. Retired license plates on the wall, giant, like, you know, paintings that are terrible. And, Let's make it uninhabitable. <laughs> yes. Like, but, but, like, the style of it is so not completely thought out. Right. That's, I think, what yeah, I, I miss. I miss things being less deliberate and designy yeah. when it comes to. Oh, 
Yeah. yeah, that's just like my whole life. Like, that's why I don't leave the house because I'm like, I don't want everything to be fucking curated. I want to see weirdos. I want to see people out of place. I want to see the mess of the human condition when I leave my fucking house and it never <laughs> happens anymore. And it's again, like, there's a base level of friendliness is no longer required, which part of me is like, cool grift. Like, you guys figured out how to work and not be nice. That's great. But yes. like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what a grift. <laughs> but like, also, I feel like, Especially here, like there's one coffee shop in my town that technically counts, that, that is actually a cafe that I can go to. And they're very nice. Like this is the weird thing. They're very nice, but they're so slow that I can't go there because it takes, and I'm not exaggerating, 20 to 25 minutes to get a single cup of coffee. And yes. I'm not talking like an intense drink, like a ca- even a cappuccino foam, which, you know, I could usually bust out in a minute flat, but I I get it. If, like, that's no longer the vibe, it takes you five minutes to make a good cappuccino foam because everyone's a fucking perfectionist. Everyone has anxiety. Whatever it is, I get that. <laughs> I'm talking, like, a drip coffee taking 25 minutes because they're like, oh, we forgot this person wanted this. Oh, I forgot about that. I guess I should check on your food. Oh, what? and I'm, like, waiting there the whole time just looking like, Seriously, you don't have like an express lane, not one express lane where someone can just like pour coffee and give it to me. No, yeah. they don't have that. The, at the coffee shop that I'm talking about, the one in sort of my neighborhood, they don't even do drip. They do everything is pour over. So oh, you have I ain't to, got time for that. Listen, and I was like, I have a, a stag kettle at my house. I have a gooseneck kettle at my house. I'm sitting here going, I'm about to pay $8 for this fucking slow pour-over coffee that I could just have done at my house. And I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I did it other than I was just being lazy and I didn't want to wait well, for... Well, no. Because you know, you're, you're on the go and you also want to get out of your house and have a different experience, but you yeah. don't want it to be that experience. Like, there yeah. has to be a balance. And you you can't get... I hate... I, you cannot get me into those fucking antler pots. I can't stand them. I'm like, why am I pouring hot water out of a fucking deer head? Like, what is this shit? It's all matte colored and, like, it doesn't hold enough water for any of the thing I'm making. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you need one of them giant things that they would bring to church like those yeah. giant insulated like you know spout things and it's all fucking sanka in there like just like yes and and like i totally you know as much as coffee has gotten like better more curatorial i have gone down that road i mean i'm not gonna lie i have like a hundred ways to make coffee in my house like it's so obnoxious like i have Aeropress, I have Hario, I have, you know, I What do you? I a Hario, I have a Chemex. What is that? <laughs> I have it's like it's basically like a Japanese pour over contraption. I mean, now that you can buy them for like $5 at Target, but back in the day when I bought it, it was like, oh, it's this thing that has ridges on the inside that are twisty, so it's going to I mean the the pour over is going to be more effective and I mean it's like and that is so such the pomp and circumstance I like a little bit of that but like it has definitely gotten like so obnoxious to where I'm like I sometimes just need a coffee and I don't need this person to heat up water in a gooseneck kettle to like 212 then gently do a pour over in some like you know textured contraption and then you know I mean it just took forever and then it was also like it was like 
two things that happened. So it was like, it took, so they totally blew me off. Then I ordered, got my coffee, took forever because it was pour over. And then I actually ordered food too. Oh, bitch. No, and you were there all day. So I st- mm-hmm. I was standing there at one end of the counter. And then this guy comes out eventually with my food and he just like says my name all lackadaisically. I don't know if this was the guy who was microdosing today. I feel like it might have been. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I'm over here. And then he took my bagel and slid it across the counter to me. He didn't even want to hand it to me. He just was like, Psh, and I was like, did you just slide a bagel across the counter to me? Like, <laughs> Like, we're in a Western, like a 50s Western. I'm like... That is, like, the way I would open John Wick 5. It's like someone slides a bagel at me, and then I shoot them in the face and stomach four times. I throw an axe at their head. Like, those are fighting bagels at that point. And he didn't even say anything to me. I just went... I was, like, at the other end of the counter. I was like, thank you. And then he just walked back. And I was like... Oh, my... I was like, wow. This is why I can't do, I can't do. And this is the other thing. When I leave my house and I go to these places, I am so nice because I've worked these jobs. I know how much pain in the ass it is that you're dealing with behind the scenes. There's shit we don't even know about that you're trying to get done and get through to do your fucking job. Customers are assholes. I totally get it. So I'm super nice when I leave my house and just in general, Again, not grumpy, yeah. thank you. Just nice and opinionated. Let's let's start saying that, folks, in your emails. Yes, make uh, a distinction. <laughs> but I definitely, I don't like leaving my house and being met with a sour face and feeling like I'm fucking up your day because I want something. Like, I don't like that feeling at all. Yeah. So I never go back to those places. Like, there was this place when I lived in LA, like right around the corner from my house, right before I left, my last, not my last apartment, but the apartment before that, where we lived close together. Yeah. And right before I left that neighborhood, there was a coffee shop that opened and I went in and it was like millennial pink. It smelled like, here's the, here's the first tip. It felt, smelled like a flower shop. It did not smell like coffee at all. So I should have just turned around and walked out. Yeah. That was the first tip. But it was like millennial pink and they had like three food items in the case, like one muffin and one vegan bar and one thing. And I'm like, oh. You are not made for speed at all. Like, it's just like, we're showing you what kind of food we could do, possibly. Yeah. And then, you know, they had this big $50,000 fucking machine that looked like it had never been touched. And, you know, like these, like, branded designer cups and, like, the beans and the... And it was, it looked so nice. And there were three people. I was the only customer. There were three people working in there. I walked in and I swear to God, nobody said a word to me for like five minutes. So I was just kind of looking around at all their stuff. And then I went to their end of the counter where they were talking and I just started ordering and they were like, oh, we do that over there. And I'm like, okay. But I was basically like being very passive aggressive and I instantly hated myself. But I'm like, I don't know your rules. I don't know how to get what I need. I could have been gone already. But I just had to walk over to you and now interrupt you. And now I feel like a shithead. Yeah. And... I'm being scolded because you didn't want to come to the place where ordering happens and help me. And I walked around for five minutes like I was in a fucking museum looking at all your fucking tchotchkes and your fucking antler decorations and shit and your fucking macrame. And I'm like, I just want, I literally just want a latte. That's all I want. I can make it myself. I will, I will, I would rather have a coffee shop be like, 
here is the make it yourself espresso machine. All of our employees are talking in the back. You do it. And it's an honor system. Like I would yes. honestly prefer that at this point than me feeling like a fucking asshole every time I go in. Look, let me guess. Let me guess right now. This is a place that doesn't serve an iced coffee above 12 ounces. Am I right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Fuck that. Fuck oh. that. Oh, Fuck and this is a that. place that <laughs> doesn't even have iced coffee. They only have iced Americanos. Like, there Fuck are so many... I, like, <laughs> there are so many signals now that I'm like, oh, this is not the place for me. If I look at your menu and I, it says iced coffee and I go up to order and you're like... Oh, it's actually, it's an iced Americano. And I'm like, that's not an iced coffee. Get One, get your shit together. Learn your fucking trade. That is not an iced coffee. An iced Americano is a totally different experience for my brain and my butthole. Yes. Okay. Yes. This is why the middle-aged woman manager at my old coffee shop job had 96 ounces in a fucking mug. Exactly. Like, I don't have time for these 12-ounce pours. Like, I'm just like, that's the largest iced coffee that you make is 12 ounces. And then half of it is ice. On top of that, it's uh, still $5. It's $5 for a 12-ounce iced coffee. I don't give a shit if it's cold brew. Like, cold brew is actually probably easier to make because all you have to do is put it in a fucking pot and let it sit overnight. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't have time for this. I'm like... Take me to Starbucks where I can get, like, a 24-ounce iced coffee as God intended, bare minimum. It needs to be bare minimum 16 ounces. Like, 16 ounces is the drop-dead bottom for (laughs) iced coffee. It should go up from 16, not a 12. Fuck that. This is why... As much as I like to shop local and support local, this is why Dunkin' Donuts is basically my local coffee Thank shop you. whenever I leave the house. And even Dunkin' Donuts will play sometimes because I ordered, a, I'm like, I don't need that much coffee. I'll get a small iced coffee today. I've never had a small anything at Dunkin' Donuts. That's not how you should be ordering there. Yes. They don't want you to. But I ordered a small iced coffee. When they handed it to me, I'm like, is this a child's drink? Like, what is this? Is it like fit in the palm of my hand? I sucked it down in two seconds. And I'm like, I I can't do small here because this is too small to function. It's that 12 ounce shit does not fly with me at all. No. And I feel I feel like that is some kind of curatorial standard that was created by hipsters like. 10 years ago, where they're like, all we do is dainty sizes because subtlety is our luxury. <laughs> and we're not we're not trashy. We don't give people giant cups of coffee because it doesn't look good. You know, and I'm just oh like, oh my God. The fuck happened? Like, I'm sorry, but like, I mean, I'm definitely not like drinking hazelnut latte from the fucking gas station every day, but also I don't want 12 ounce no. curatorial bullshit cups of coffee like have a happy medium stop being conflict avoidant by looking at tiktok while you're supposed to be working like microdose but also be present in in the world so you can function at your job like i'm just like just do the extra little bit of thing and stop being so snobby like don't make us feel like we're busted in on your fucking zardoz cult like, 
This is why this is it's a very interesting moment for me for so many reasons, because when I was younger, I used to always wonder, like, why are middle aged people always so mad about everything? Like, why are they just (laughs) mad? And now that I am that I'm like, oh, because the convenience becomes decreases. The more you need convenience, the less you are able to access it as you get older. And that shit is infuriating. And now I totally fucking get it. Yep. So my again, I don't I don't leave my house. I went to the city this week. Um, I My manager was in town, so I had lunch with my manager. And we had lunch at this great restaurant. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get an iced coffee before I leave. Like, I got to drive home. And I don't, you know, just wanted something for the drive. So I, we were in the um, Tribeca, and I walked around the corner to the closest coffee shop. And again, almost, in, and again, I'm thinking Tribeca, like I'll at least be able to find some like mean old Italian person who's like, we've been here for 50 fucking years. What the fuck do you want? Like that is all I need is like that New York attitude. It's like, what? <laughs> like I would prefer that to aloofness. I would prefer like- 100%. 100%. Like, what? What are you doing here? <laughs> like let's see some sparks coming out of those shoes and yes. get ready. No, I, I, first of all, there's a line like you wouldn't believe. And I'm not standing in line for 45 minutes for a fucking coffee. So I left and went to the next one that I could find on Google Maps or whatever. Yeah. And I walked around the corner and it was like the most, like, again, I basically, the long story short is I didn't get a coffee for my drive. I had to drive out of the city. Once I got through the fucking Holland Tunnel, I hit a Dunkin' Donuts because I'm like looking at the menu and I'm like, there are two things on this menu. And it's like artisanal roast, Our artisanal roast for the day is whatever, and we also have like a, a cold brew. And I'm like, you have two things in this fucking coffee shop. And it was packed. It was packed. People yeah. were sitting all over the place. I, I left. I'm like, I, this is this is the moment. This is my middle age moment where like, unless I want to walk across the fucking like Sixth Avenue and be late getting home. Yeah. So I could hit up that place. That's like, what? What do you want? Let's go. Like giving me the sense of urgency. I couldn't do it. So I just went and got a fucking dunk on the way home. And it was heartbreaking because I used to love getting a coffee and walking around New York City and now I feel like I have to add an hour to my trip if I want to do that. I am going to say the thing that cool people don't want you to say which is that I fucking rock with Starbucks before (laughs) this bullshit. Like I would rather go to a fucking soulless chain than to put up with the kind of like weirdness of going to like a really or like specific hip i mean i will support a local business insofar as it makes me feel comfortable when i go there i'm not just gonna go there because it's a vibe what the fuck like i it has to have something friendliness friendliness just be friendly and like here's here's what i really think is 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 happening too all of these places need an adult Yes. And adult no longer means a certain age, like 18 and up or tw- like you need a fucking adult. You need so- you need that lanyard bitch in there being like, "Why are you all standing around? Let's go." And then you can post it on TikTok all you want about how much of a bitch your fucking boss is, but I need that person in the store to get you moving to yes. do your fucking shit. Like all of these places need a goddamn adult who actually needs the job. Just one. Just yes. one person who needs the job in all of these places would change the fucking economy. There are two types of managers that I experienced overwhelmingly when I was in my 20s working at, at coffee shops, retail, food. The lanyard lady or 
the intense older gay man who wore big pants and was micromanaging everybody to death. Like, those are the two types of managers that need to come in, do a bar rescue type of thing, like bring in these two with their, you know, their chain smoking and their fucking, like, EDM music CDs. Like, bring these people in to ship shape these places up. Because honestly, it is a lot of hanging out there's no adults. It's just re- people in their very early 20s who just want to hang out and look beautiful. And we got to do it. We got to bring in these folks, these these managers of old, because it's Completely. madness out here. It's madness. I need Gordon Ramsay to take over everything. <laughs> I just want a craggy-faced British man being like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Stand around. <laughs> but here's the other thing. I don't think it has to reach like abusive levels to make it work. I think you literally just need an adult to be like, no, you actually have to go help that person. <laughs> and then like, you know, after hours, you can have your courses on like how to make eye contact. Like, why do you have this job if you can't talk to people? Like, you can figure that all out in your own fucking time. But like, there's just a weird shift that I do not appreciate because I don't like leaving my house and feeling like I'm a goddamn burden just because I'm in your place of business, asking for the thing that your business does. <laughs> I would love to see, I would, the best thing that would have happened this morning if it's like an older lady with like tattooed lipstick came out from behind the counter and been, Patrick, I'm about to go take my 10 minute and if you don't come back here and this shit ain't fucking fixed, then we are going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem with me. Do you know how long it's been since I've heard there's a line? <laughs> like in a fucking, like no fucking sense of urgency. No sense of urgency at all. I, I can't believe we've been busting on this for 30 minutes, but I also can't fully believe we've been busting on this for like a half hour because it's truly a pain point to realize, oh, I didn't become a grumpy middle-aged person. I was made into a grumpy middle-aged person and yeah. I don't appreciate it. Listen, sorry, sorry to admit this, folks, but busting makes me feel good. <laughs> it does. I also, I can't, I also can't, I mean, this is, again, my my town is very limited. It's not a city, but I see this in the cities when I go. But, like, I my choice in my town for coffee is Dunkin' Donuts, the place where it takes 25 minutes to get a fucking drip cup of coffee, or the place that's run by the guys who were at the insurrection. Like, I'm limited for choice here. <laughs> so as much as I want to support local business, of those three, I'm going to dunk every fucking time. Listen. And this is the other thing. Like, again, I just, I don't, I have a, I have such a great experience at the dunk. Like, I go in and they're like, hey, what's up, girl? And like, they know my name. They know my face. Like, I tip them like crazy. And they're just like, I'm like, what are you doing at this store? Usually you're in this town. Like, when I drive through, you know, the town next to me or whatever. And like, it's an actual coffee shop experience. Yeah. It is weird. It is weird that like robots are now writing and doing poetry while we're all working ourselves to the fucking bone. And it's weird that Dunkin' Donuts will give you a genuine coffee shop experience before an actual fucking coffee shop. Listen, you guys have like a full-on relationship. They gave you COVID. You were able to work past it. Like, we got through it. You got through it. You're better people now. Like, I I don't blame you. Look, no shame. We've already 
said to the Duncan corporate office, please sponsor this podcast. We will do like collaborative merch with you. Like, what else? Like, do you I, need? I like, understand you got Affleck. I understand you're, you're in the big ah, leagues yeah. now. You got you Affleck doing us. commercials, but <laughs> but we're, we're your bread available. and butter. We are your body and soul. We are the fucking day ones. So please help us age into this fucking grumpy coffee era of our lives. And I, I have a streamlined system at home. Like I figured out a few years ago what actually works for me. I know what beans I like. I have a French press so I can make the exact amount. Because I drink one fucking coffee, cup of coffee a day. I have a French press. I have an electric kettle. I have just those three things. And then I have the like 12 cup drip big machine that I, I will too. use for company. But since I never have anyone at my house, it just sits in a box in a fucking cabinet. Like that's it. That's all I need is my little French press and the five minutes a day it takes to make the one cup of coffee I drink. And if I'm ever out in the world, even at an airport, I'm like, I'm just going to be hungry and dehydrated because nobody has a hustle anymore. Nobody gives a shit. Well, I wish I had that level of restraint to only drink one cup of coffee, but I I should start making it at home again. But sometimes, you know, know, you wander out into the world and um And you, you should be able to. You should be able to wander out into the world, but you know, I, I'm I'm stuck on one cup of coffee because you know I'm doing this insane. Like my summer is just set up for misery because I have I can't eat sugar for the next 3 months. Mm. Cuz my yeah. doctor was like I went in for my annual exam. My doctor was like, oh, no, this is not the normal amount of sugar. Like, your levels are all weight. You're like a candy bar away from diabetes. And I was like, oh, I don't eat that much sugar. She's, and I was running, doing the rundown of, like, what I eat for sugary snacks during the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I have a cup of coffee. And I don't drink a lot. I don't have a lot of sugar in my coffee, just like a teaspoon or two. And, you know, then, but then I'm like, oh, but I do eat gummy bears every day and I do eat take, like orange Tic Tacs. And like, I was doing the rundown and she's like, do you know how much sugar is in a bag of gummy bears? And I'm like, of course not, bitch. Of course not. Yeah. And she's like, well, and then we looked it up together. Like I went and looked at it on my phone and there's, I guess, I guess the, the average human should have about 25 grams of sugar a day is healthy for like an adult. And there are 16 grams per serving and like nine servings in a bag of gummy bears. So it's like 300% the amount of sugar you should be having. And for me, of course, the serving size of any snack I have is the fucking package it comes in. So I'm not like saving three gummy bears for tomorrow. I'm eating all of it. So I'm eating 300% the amount of sugar I should be eating on a daily basis through one snack. And that is not my only sugar snack throughout the day. So I was like, oh yeah, you're right. I should. She's like, why don't you just stop eating it for like three months and see if we can get these numbers down. Yeah. And I was like, all well, right, that's solid. <laughs> yeah. And like what I learned from the Whole30 is that there's sugar in literally everything. There's sugar in everything. pasta sauce. There's sugar in bacon and bread. And like, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. So even if you're like, I'm not eating, you know, actual junk food, but I mean, mm-hmm. even just like during the day, you could be eating more sugar. And trust me, I, I think we're all on that mode. We all have to watch yeah. sugars. I got the beaties in my family. So I got absolutely cute. So got to keep it cute. But yeah, but that's why I don't go out a lot to eat or, you know, get coffee right now anyway. Because I'm like, oh, I literally can't because there's no amount of of telling how much sugar is in anything I'm about to consume. Yeah. So it makes me grumpy that I have to be on this sugar-free diet for three months. And it also makes me grumpy that I can't enjoy the one cup of coffee I have a day if I leave my fucking house. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, look, what do you think about moving into our theme right now? I think we have to, and I think we have to explain it because it's totally your idea. Yeah, actually. Well, there's going to be a lot of asterisks uh, um, in the explanation. (laughs) So... Our theme for this week is spandexploitation. I would love to claim that as my original word, but I actually think my friend Ben came up with the term. And I don't even know if he came up with it, to be honest. We have not sourced this at all. So do not get on my case. Do not send me an article from 1964 where... Fucking Gore Vidal said spandex exploitation first or something, whatever. Like I just we're we're too busy being grumpy about coffee <laughs> to do any research this week. We did no research. Yes. But <laughs> whoever came up with it, be it my friend or someone else from history, um, I think it's like a perfect I think it's such a perfect term. And, you know, the whole like blank exploitation thing, I feel like, you know, just me being a cult movie grump, okay, um, is a little overdone. But I actually think spandex exploitation is perfect because it is, it's a perfect meshing of the two words. Yeah. Honestly, these two films are the, I would say, are the um, fillets of yeah. spandex exploitation. I completely agree. And and why why did you want to dig into this topic? Like what what is it about the style of movie that is appealing to you? Well, it's like first of all, it is such an absolute time and place, right? We're talking yeah. about primarily movies from like I would say the range would be this is gracious, but maybe late 70s to late 80s perhaps, but it's obviously about um a style, a, a, an era of stretchy fabrics. And it usually involves dance and or aerobics. And personally, the span exploitation theme is a Trojan horse to talk about both of these movies anyway, because I feel like, yes, they are both movies about 80s aerobics. Yes, it looks ridiculous from modern eyes. However, I feel like at least one of these movies is was incredibly maligned and maybe shouldn't have been as much. The other movie, and this is all my opinion, by the way, the other movie is absolute, wonderful, perfect trash, and I totally love it. I think both of these movies are enjoyable. And I don't think that, I mean, there's an easy way to be like, what a bunch of idiots, what a bunch of crap. Like, no, 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 it's fun. It's fun and interesting, and your movie is an absolute fucking classic. I mean- Oh my God. So 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 is yours. Your your movie has spawned a lot of gifs. Yes. GIFs if you're gonna be anal retentive about it. But <laughs> and I also wanna say up top, I don't think either of us have watched the Apple TV show Physical with Rose Byrne that's about oh, no. this era. No. Um, we just go right to the source, which is things that were made in this era. Yes. So. Of course. It might be and, great, but I didn't I haven't watched it yet. Well, and to be to be completely honest with you too, like your film, and I know this because I've programmed your film so many times on 
TCM, where I used to work. It is sorely out of print. Um, if you manage to find it, I think I said in the last episode, it was it, it, you'd have to go look to some places maybe on the internet, or hopefully you have somebody that um, has a copy of it. But it's, um, I think this movie would be a GIF slash GIF barn burner if it was available. If people yes. could actually physically fucking see it, it would break the internet. It's so Absolutely. good. I don't even want to tell you what I had to do to watch this movie this week, but <laughs> it's part of the reason why I'm fucking exhausted today. I'll just say oh, that. Oh, no. Oh, no. It took me like all week to figure out how to watch this fucking movie, but I did. And I will say, hit up your local librarians. Hit up the... It, it's not local, but I think in America, at least, there's a, a general system that most libraries use where you can rent films and, you know, check out videos. Just try there first. And you might end up having to watch this movie on FaceTime with somebody else who found a physical copy of it because that's how you were able to access it. Holy um, shit. But it wow. is, I agree that it would be, if it were widely available, I think people would lose their fucking minds in terms of like the TikTok reaction videos that this film could produce. Yeah. I mean, it's hard It's hard to even describe because so much of like what I think underground quote unquote movies were to people of our generation doesn't really doesn't really hold the same weight almost in this era because everything is just so widely available. But I got to say, I think your movie is truly one of the movies that like is hard to find is kind of an underground film in, in, in a way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the fact that you're even talking about it, I think is fucking incredible because I just, I can't, you're going first this week. I cannot wait to hear well, your take. I'm going to get right into it because my film was released in 1984 it was written by Lawrence Dane and Ron Bass. It was directed by Lawrence Dane. And my movie is Heavenly Bodies. I'm challenging you to a competition. The best in your club against the best in our club. And I will, I will also say up top that this movie is 90% song. It's 90% soundtrack. 100%. Off the top. So Heavenly Bodies, my one-sentence synopsis is... I can't even get through this. My one-sentence synopsis is, imagine if your mom and all of her friends in the 80s were inspired by Flashdance to the point where they do a Karate Kid-style face-off with a rival dance studio. Because that is this film to a fucking T. And I will also tell you up top that Lawrence Dane, who co-wrote and directed this film, he was an actor primarily. He acted in a ton of you know films and TV, and, and he, he was in Bride of Chucky. Um, he died last year, which is why I feel completely fine saying that this is the only thing he ever directed, and that is a blessing for all of us. <laughs> R.I.P. King! R.I.P. King. R.I.P. One Movie King because yes. holy shit. And the plot is, insta- is insane. The story is all over the place. It's yes. basically a movie that's comprised of like thoughts and clips that have been cobbled together <laughs> into a janky narrative. <laughs> and I love it. It is the very definition of like an underground culty film. Yes. So yes. the first five minutes of this film, the first five minutes is two full songs. There's like one sentence of dialogue. 
and you only know what's going on via montage. Because because since there are so many songs in this film, if 90% of the film is songs, I think a smooth 80% of the film is montage. Yes. So you have all these two full songs play. One of them is Breaking Out of Prison, which is like somehow the theme of this. Not even like Heavenly Bodies. They couldn't even conjure up a song called Heavenly Bodies to make like the theme. It's breaking out of prison. So they have these two mo- these two montages. Then it's two minutes of dialogue where you kind of get a gist of what the plot is going to be. And then it's an- it- it- immediately into another montage. Yes, yes. So the plot of this film is basically this woman, Samantha, um, and two of her friends are so into dancer size that they decide to rent, to lease a building and kind of create their own studio. So they're working office jobs and they're doing their thing, but they, this is their dream. They want, this is the dream for them. And the, so the plot of the, I mean, I say the plot, but the plot kind of shifts so much. So it's part that they're just looking to lease this building and do a dancer size class. The other part is that Samantha is a single mom who hasn't been laid in a long time. (laughs) And then the other part is this like karate kid face off with another local dance studio. So there's a lot of plots going on um, throughout the film, but it is fucking incredible. So they go, so they find this abandoned building for lease and they clean it up and they open this dancer size studio and the studio is called Heavenly Bodies. I personally think that the dancer size trend ended in the 80s because the dances that you're dancing to were all created by white people and they looked fucking nuts. Yes. So, yeah. well, uh, this is something that I actually should have maybe asked you at, at the beginning of the theme. Have you ever taken an aerobics class? I tried a step class once and I almost broke both of my fucking ankles. <laughs> I tried one step class and one Zumba class and I was like, this is not, none of this is for me. This is why I can only do rage workouts from now on because yes. none of this is for me. I am not gifted enough to be able to watch someone at the front of a room going fucking ham, looking like they're about to dislocate their shoulders from their bodies, from their body, and still make my body do anything. I'm, I just, I can't do it. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, this is, this is, it's interesting because I, I'm the opposite. I have taken a lot of aerobics classes. I have taken jazzercise. You don't understand. Like I was mm-hmm. a, as I've gone on record and saying, I was a chunky monkey when I was a little girl and I was forced to, and this was the 80s. So of course I was forced into these like weird, like <laughs> it was like Weight Watchers slash aerobicize slash gym class like aerobic stuff. I I had to do the Jane Fonda workout every day after oh my school. God. So I am well versed in class, and I take dance classes now. Yeah, but Heavenly Bodies is this whole other level because first of all, absolutely in the movie they say, oh, this is just an inclusive place where everybody can come take classes. Yet everybody in Heavenly Bodies is a professional dancer with a perfect body. Like ballet dancing. They're doing like, like, oh, I just got off the Joffrey ballet tour and now I'm in your class, which is also what it's like to take a dance class in L.A. based on what you have told us. Yes. I mean, you're like, oh, here's all of Britney Spears' backup dancers and me. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, just imagine the the sequence from all that jazz. And then there's me. I'm the like dark haired guy that doesn't know what he's doing. 
And that has been me my entire life in any aerobics, jazzercise dance class. And it shouldn't, especially in the 80s, it should not have been that way. Because here, let me just give you a gist of what some of these dances look like. (laughs) Or what I have decided to call them because they are so bonkers. And again, I think this is why the trend ended. You can do something called um, like a a backwards hip thrusting crab walk where you kind of push yourself across the floor on your shoulders while your crotch is in the air. (laughs) Which anyone should be able to do. Uh, There's my favorite, which I think is in both of our films frequently, which I just call I'm a little teapot. It's just a lot of like back and forth shoulder action from the hip. Uh, You have the awkward giraffe uh, and my all-time fave, little kid having a fit. Like, that's what this looks like to me when I'm watching these people do these dances. It's not like the hip-hop classes or, like, the, you know, kind of more stylized classes that we see now. It's truly just people having a physical fucking fit with their bodies as a way to get their heart rate up. So anyone should be able to do it. But somehow, it's just like, you have to be a professional dancer to even cross the threshold. That crab walk thing, I mean, I think that that technically happens in my movie, where basically there's like, it's basically the part of Showgirls where Nomi Malone and and the guys yell like, thrust it! Thrust it! It's like that thing where you're basically like back on the ground, you're doing that like glute bridge thing, and you're just like pumping in the air. And I'm like... I, oh my God. When, imagine me being 11 years old watching the Jane Fonda workout video doing that move. And Thank it happens. You. It happens in my movie for sure. Yep. And I think it ha- there's like maybe a variation happens in your movie, but it's the oh, same yeah. concept. And that is like the larger point that I think is important about both of our films. Is, and it does come through in two particular scenes. Dancer size, jazzer size, aerobics, wherever you want to call it. It's basically your fucking midair is what they should have been called. Come to our class and fuck the air because every move is like overly sexual in a way it does not have to be in order for you to get a workout. Yes, that is... there. I will talk about this, I think, maybe when it's my turn to go, but there's a lot of that like aerobic-influenced sexual energy vibe in both these movies. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like... Can you imagine that now? Like, can you imagine going to, like, crunch fitness and then you're just covered in sweat on the elliptical and then you just, like, look over at a guy and he's, like, fucking, you know, picking up a kettlebell and you guys just, like, stare at each other, like, Even hungrily. Worse, imagine you're taking, like, I don't know, a yoga class and the instructor is at the front of the room just making intense eye contact with you the entire 40 minutes. Well, they're like bending their body around, just not breaking eye contact at all, because that is in both of our films as well. I know. I mean, this, this 80, 84, 80, 85 was the, there, apparently that was not the age of lawsuit, because no. this is like, it, it's insane how much it happens in both these films, especially yours. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is what happens when you have a group of people, like a wide swath of the population who's just high on cocaine <laughs> and has not heard yet about the AIDS epidemic. This is what comes out of that. Oh, a- absolutely. <laughs> Which time. They've never heard of an STI yes. and <laughs> they just are high on cocaine all the time. And I swear to God, this movie was financed by cocaine. Um, <laughs> in my opinion. Also, what you need to know about Samantha as a single mother, before we get deep into this um, this plot of dance for size and 
rival studios. When you first meet Samantha's child and realize that she's a single mother, it's like the whole, every scene looks like the camera lens was coated in Vaseline. So it looks like she's having like a fever dream or like she's in a, like a cough syrup commercial. And this little kid's next to her reading a book. And then he looks at her and he goes, mom, what is an orgies? And she fucking <laughs> tells him. She's like, remember when I told you that when a man and woman love each other very much, it's like that, but without love. And I'm like, one, that is not an orgy. <laughs> and he keeps going. He's like, do you have an orgies, mom? And I'm like, you need to get this. This is like now in my brain forever and I can't handle this. This kid is so wildly cute. And he's just asking his mom about orgies. And she's telling him. And that is the 80s in a fucking nutshell, where parents are like, I'm too exhausted to protect you from the world. Here's all the information you need to know. Good luck explaining this to your kindergarten class. Exactly. Oh, my God. I mean, this kid is probably, maybe this is his first movie. And the first line of his Hollywood career is, Mom, what is an orgies? Plural. Plural. That's how young he is. He doesn't even know how to like, and also he's just, he's clearly just reading a romance book while she's dead asleep. (laughs) <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, mom's tired from doing all these fucking aerobics and working full time. You just read this romance novel. It's those unsupervised kids of the 80s. I swear to God, we talk about it all the time. I'm Truly. like, these are not the kids in the coffee shop microdosing. This is like a whole new, this like basically neglected children that were left to their own devices reading sex novels from the grocery store. These are feral, neglected children. And I feel like we all have that experience in the 80s where like, Someone would just suddenly show up to, like, the playground or if you were playing in a backyard and they'd, like, pull a book out of their fucking backpack and be like, I found this in my mom's room. And it's, like, the fucking Kama, the illustrated Kama Sutra or whatever. I know. I know. And you're all just reading it on, like, like a Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. You're all just looking at the Kama Sutra, like, okay. Yeah. It's like, that's why I was reading Flowers in the Attic when I was, like, 11 years old. (laughs) (laughs) It's how we learned. Yeah. It was our true education, which is people finding shit in their parents' room. I had a, I had a friend who found a pair of crotchless underwear in her mom's <laughs> drawer. Yikes. She took it. She took it and showed all of us. Oh, my God. And I'm like, well, now I know your mom's a straight freak. Like, great. I don't even know what any of this means. I'm seven. <laughs> Why does this underwear not have a crotch in it? Isn't that the whole point of underwear? Now I have to have this in my brain. <laughs> And I know way too much about your mom and dad's sex life. Holy shit. It was a wild time. So orgies, kid. (laughs) We finally catch on like, oh, this is her son. And like, she loves him, whatever. But like, that's his whole vibe is like, he pops up to remind us that she has a lot going on. Right. What she also has going on is that someone asks her, because even though she has two co-owners for this studio we rarely see them right they're always in the class but they're never like leading anything and so this person asks her to like lead an aerobics class for a group of football players uh we don't know why because they just show a meeting where he's like don't let this one give you any guff and then she's just in a room full of like jacked up men doing aerobics and making fun of it and one of the guys that makes fun of it the hardest uh is steve and he's the love interest and Steve and Samantha start this kind of flirtation through telegrams, <laughs> which, good God, the 80s. So he sends her, like, a gorilla 
a gorilla telegram. Gram. Like someone comes dressed as gorilla gram. Yeah, like someone comes dressed as a gorilla and he like asks her out. She sends him back a stripogram in her own class where there's like a full like naked strip tease happening. And then the, the, the message just says no, which is hilarious. <laughs> then he sends her balloons and he's like, if you want to go on a date with me, release these bo- balloons off the balcony. If the answer is yes, it's like so convoluted. It's like, just fuck the planet, kill some birds, go on a date with me, release all these goddamn balloons into the fucking air. And then when she finally says yes, all he does is like he he just barges in and cooks them dinner. Yeah, he makes for their first date. He makes pierogies, which let's be honest is a dream come true. If it were not a date scenario, if anyone just showed up at my house with a bag of groceries and was like, "I'm making you pierogies," fucking dream come true. But not in this, like, meathead date scenario where my young child is also here. Now I have to inter- This is the other thing. It's like 80s parents would put their kids in the path of direct danger if it meant they could have a meal or get laid. Yes. They're like, here's this stranger cooking in our house. I'm going to fuck him. I hope you like the meal because now he's in our life and I don't know a goddamn thing about him. Yeah, all I remember about my stepdad was that he came the first night to make pierogies for all of us. <laughs> and then Steve was just always around after that. <laughs> <laughs> they had they sent each other telegrams for a couple months. Then we had to let off a bunch of balloons. Then pierogies happened. And now he's like now- grounding me for staying out too late. Now he's at my high school graduation and refusing to pay for college because <laughs> I'm not his real kid. Yes. <laughs> also, this all happens within the first 30 minutes of the film. Oh. It's like four songs, a convoluted romance, a child. Like it all happens in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. And Steve is like a D-list kind of uh, Bill Pullman type. If you just want to get a, a picture yes. of it. Perfect. Yeah. That is a perfect description. And he kind yeah. of, he talks in like one word sentences. The dialogue in this film is not great as you can imagine, but it is hilarious. Yeah. And he just kind of is always like, oh, <laughs> like, huh? Oh, I'm going to cook you dinner. Huh? What? Like, he's just very... (laughs) He's not really, really present in the role. Yeah. (laughs) But this all happens in the first 30 minutes. Then you have this this moment where everything's starting to look up for Samantha, right? So she gets cast. She goes to this casting session for a TV show where she's going to have her own aerobics TV show. And they pick off a bunch of people, all that jazz style. But that's where we get to meet her rival, Shoulders McGee. Who her name is Debbie, but yes. she is all fucking shoulders when she's doing her workout. And she works at the rival fitness center, which is called Jack Pearson's Sporting Life. Yes. Full name. <laughs> and she's pissed. Shoulders is pissed that she doesn't get this fucking gig. She's like, this is a lock. Jack told me I got it. I'm in. But they pick Samantha. And there's a kind of a similar scene in in Perfect where, like, after she gets this job and she's so jazzed, she, like, decides to have sex with Steve. And it's, like, cutting scenes between, like, soft porn Vaseline lens and aerobics where they're just staring at each other. And there's one point where he's in the class and he's not even moving. He's just staring at her working out and, like, thinking about the sex they had. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. There's And there's... Like, there's scenes of them, like, having, like, it's, like, this weird, like, they're both in, like, a, they're they're both wet. Like, they're just, like, dripping in water. It's, like, are they, like, fucking in the steam room at 
Heavenly Bodies? Is there a steam room at Heavenly Bodies? Also, oh what a disgusting place to have sex. Like, Thank a you. steam room is filled with germs as a public place. Gross. Uh, the bacteria alone, just even touching it, let alone letting it enter you through all these various means. <laughs> the 80s were fucking disgusting for so many reasons. Yes. Oh, my God. So gross. So Samantha gets the job and she freaks out. Everything's coming up. Samantha, she's got this great guy. Like her kid's reading maybe more age-appropriate books. We don't know. <laughs> and her dance studio is going okay. But then... Because Shoulders is on the case and she's pissed. And now Samantha's also getting friendly with Jack. Not in a sexy way, but in like a an 80s professional day and night Barbie kind of way where it's like, I'm going <laughs> to flirt. Like we're a professional, but I'm also sexy. And she, go- <laughs> she goes <laughs> to see the... The 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 TV studio and there's a dance montage and she's like it includes a ladder on wheels that she's still so- somehow doing aerobics on top of a ladder on wheels and like scooting <laughs> around the fucking studio and then all the gross cameramen are like yay and she's like oh I didn't know you were here <laughs> and, and I was just crab walking around with the ladder I was just dry humping this ladder I didn't know anybody was here. <laughs> <laughs> So everything's going great for a while, but then shit starts to hit the fan. So first and foremost, Steve, who is already like a marginal, just a marginally decent football player, now wants to open a restaurant in Chicago. So he's leaving Canada and going, this is a Canadian film. He's leaving Canada and going to Chicago. And he gives Samantha an ultimatum on the back of his like Chicago pierogi restaurant. (laughs) Where he's like... You're the only reason I'm even doing this. Like, you were my inspiration. And she's like, I can't leave my whole life here. And he's like, well, fuck this shit, man. I, I made you pierogies. Does that mean nothing? Yeah, Steve's like the bear. The bear on FX. Like, he's like, ah! <laughs> fucking trying to make these uh, sandwiches happen. These pierogies happen. And she's just like, no. She's like, I'm not about that fucking life. <laughs> I'm not giving up dancer size for pierogies. This is the 80s. What are you talking about, man? Who would make such a foolish decision? (laughs) I'm on TV, man. You're going to put... I'm not giving this shit up. So she's now like conflicted. Like, oh my God, I'm going to lose this... The one dude I've had sex with in the last whatever... However many years. And this... But of course, this launches another mournful lonely dance montage scene in front of, like, the big arched windows, like, flash dance style. And she calls. <laughs> she tries to call him, and another woman answers the phone. And she just hangs up. And her her response to that, like, the idea that he could have another woman in his room or in his orbit or whatever, because let's face it, it could have been his fucking mom. It could have been his manager. She didn't hang around long enough to ask. She could just hangs ma- up the phone. His Magda? I mean, come Exactly. On. Exact. Thank you. And she just hangs up. It could have been his like fucking tutor because Steve is not working with a full dick. (laughs) So he probably had some help somewhere along the way. And she takes her kid to the beach and lets him like roll around with a wagon so she can stand on a bunch of rocks looking at the sea like a fucking Nestle commercial. (laughs) Like her, like everything's floating and blowing and her kid could be like literally drowning. He's like in nothing but wool, head to toe, like a big fucking puffy winter jacket on the fucking edge of the ocean. And she's like, oh, but Steve, Steve and those pierogies, what the fuck, man? Did I make the right decision? It's goddamn (laughs) hilarious. So then 
after this moment, we have the high, you know, we peak. We have Samantha's life is peaked, and then we go into a roller coaster downfall. Steve is gone. No more pierogi dinners. Her kid isn't asking her about orgies anymore. And now Jack Pearson is buying the fucking building that they have heavenly bodies in that mm. they were hoping to buy and earn enough money to buy one day. Mm. So all hell is breaking loose. Samantha's doing her fucking TV show, her, her workout TV show, and she just stops. Also, it's live. For some reason, it's a live workout show. <laughs> yeah, this is like a, a body by Jake scenario. I don't think they do this anymore because TV no. is completely... Um, it's been taken over by AI, but it's um they used to have workout shows that come on in the morning. And yeah. it used to come Richard on like ES- ESPN. Like I remember when I was a kid, because <laughs> trust me, my mom was like, do the research and find out every place where you can take a virtual workout on TV. Um oh my God. <laughs> and they used to show it on ESPN. Like, what was that woman, Denise? Denise Austin. Yes, Denise Austin, body by Jake, and it would just Rodney be like, Yee. That's yes. how I discovered yoga. Rodney Yee with his fucking package was out every day doing yoga. And I'm like, why is this man's dick on CNN right now? <laughs> like, I know I'm up a little bit early, but I didn't realize that at 6 a.m. CNN was like, let's get this fucking yoga mat with this dick out here. He always he always did yoga in like Speedos. It was fucking great. He's a great yoga instructor, but that was yeah. always very jarring to me. God, I miss that shit. They should bring that back. I know. I know, but so she, but she's got this live workout show, and her producer is like, you would think that the producer was like on net, like she was producing network or something, because she was just like, oh my god, this is great, it's live TV, and like all she's doing is like, <laughs> I'm a little teapot, but <laughs> the producer is into it, so she stops the fucking production one day and is like, I'm mad because Sporting Life is trying to. Fuck us up. <laughs> and, she this, and then she goes, I feel like a warm down. Anybody else? She like raises her arms to the ceiling in this big arc and everyone's clapping. It's just fucking great. But basically on air live, she challenges Sporting Life to a workout marathon. And if Heavenly Bodies wins, they get to buy the building. So what is a workout marathon, you ask? Because I'm not going to ruin this. I, I mean, I... <laughs> Could, but I'm not going to ruin the end of it. If you've made it this far, you deserve to see the end of this film. A workout marathon is where you get everyone who works in your building or who likes to do jazzercise or, or dancercise, anyone that you can gather to be on your team, and then you face the other team in a big studio, and you just fucking work out <laughs> until they start <laughs> dropping like flies. People are, like, puking. They're, like, <laughs> pissing themselves. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they shoot horses, don't they? Except aerobics. <laughs> These people are so dead good. in their leotards. <laughs> All because they want the building. They are hip thrust into fucking death. <laughs> they want this white lady to get this goddamn building if it's the last thing she ever does. Like, maybe if she owned this building, she could spend some time at home with her kid teaching him about not orgies. Yes. She wouldn't be on the rock doing the fucking sweet dreams are made of this. N-E-S-T-L-E-S. N-E-S-T-L-E-S. Yes. <laughs> Creamy white. Dreamy Alpine white. white. <laughs> sweet dreams you can't resist. N-E-S-T-L-E-S. <laughs> Casey, you're going to have to 
drop that shit in the fucking. I mean, <laughs> no, leave us in. We don't need that commercial. We just did it perfectly. We just fucking nailed it. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> So she is dancing her goddamn heart out. She's hurt. Like, there's a part where, like, Jack comes in and, like, throws her against a wall. And, like, she has a little bruise on her leg. And she's like, I don't know if I can make it. But it is, like, fucking mayhem in this scene. It is mayhem. I've never seen a workout marathon before. I watched this movie for the first time years ago. And it is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. It is just, again, this is a perfect, perfect underground cult kind of movie. It deserves to be seen if you can find it. Again, check your libraries first, check online. But it is just, it is just hilarious. And it's not supposed to be, but that's what makes it great. And it is just, it is of such a moment, such a disgusting 80s coke-fueled, sex-fueled moment that we will never again see in in our cultural history. And I'm, I'm, we're blessed for that, but we were also blessed to have this. Yes, this movie is a blessing, as you just said. I mean, it is, it delivers on exactly what it's telling you it's going to do. It's like, this is a movie about fucking aerobics and it, it hits all the marks. It is so tied up in some like legal mumbo jumbo. I feel like a lot of it is the music because the music yep. in this movie, I think like a lot of people, I think would know the soundtrack, I think maybe even more than the film. And I'm not saying a lot of people, a lot of yeah. people don't even know this movie at all. But, you know, like, there's a Bonnie Pointer song in it. There's, like, some other stuff. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, we've talked about this. Music is complicated. And when you're trying to bring movies back, it's you got to figure out who owns things. And you got to pay people money for things. And so hopefully it gets worked out. Because it is a crime that this movie is not available widely. Like, it is it is so fun. It truly is. It is so fun. And this is the kind of movie where, like, if you had a party and just wanted to laugh and have a good time with people, like, this is the movie you would put on. Absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm I'm very wary of, like, people who, like, want to MST3K things in public, like, when they're at the movies watching, like, movies like this. But, I mean, honestly, like, I would be screaming. If I saw this in the movie theater alongside my friends and it was, like, a fun time, I'd be scream laughing like it's just it's such a fun fun film and completely and i'm glad i'm glad that and i only saw this even i think even before we were friends i only saw this because it was on tcm yeah well not to toot my own horn or anything but uh yeah i feel yeah. like i i put it on the te- on the tv and then maybe people have recorded it put recorded it to vhs on, and then transfer it to digital. And then yeah. transfer it to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, I mean, this movie is incredible. Like, don't keep yeah. this to yourself if, if, you, if you have the opportunity to put it out there. But anyway, I, it is absolutely, to me, the number one film of, for the theme, Spandex Absolutely. Like, you couldn't have picked anything better. Um, well, yours is also a banger. For so many different reasons. <laughs> it is. And it's like, the thing about my movie that's different is that it's trying to be like a real movie, which I actually think it sort of does. It kind of has like like a Nixonian plot yes, <laughs> yes. built into all the exercise. It's great. Yes. Yeah, so look, for my movie for the theme, Spandexploitation, is a movie from 1985. It was written by Aaron Latham and James Bridges, directed by James Bridges, and it's called Perfect. Couldn't Porter would never 
getting better with the subject. You're forgetting something. I'm not your subject. The cut, the come down we have to have from heavenly bodies. Whew. Um. So if you listened to our episode about Urban Cowboy a few months ago, like you will be delighted to know that Perfect is essentially the the team that brought you Urban Cowboy. It is the director James Bridges. The writer, journalist Aaron Latham, and of course, the star John Travolta. And very similarly to Urban Cowboy, Perfect also comes from articles that Aaron Latham wrote where he sort of embedded himself into like a scene, right? So, like in Urban Cowboy, it was that kind of like honky tonk scene. And then in Perfect, it's all about that kind of health club scene that was popping up in the late 70s, early 80s. And it's funny because we just talked about this. So I have been, and honestly, it's not reflected in the way that I look, obviously, but I've been going to gyms my entire life, pretty much. Like, I, my parents were really into gyms when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I go to gyms now, of course, but like, I guess I just didn't realize that the concept of a gym wasn't really like finely tuned until like this era. Like, the 80s was the gym era. Oh, yeah. Before that, it was all like, like hang a rope from a ceiling and get a fucking medicine ball. That's your gym. Yes, I was, that dude, I was, I was trying to think like, I guess I've never seen like a 1940s gym or something. Like, I'm like, and what would that look like? It'd be like guys in like old timey bathing suits wearing, like throwing around medicine balls and like with cigarettes hanging out of their mouths. Like, exactly. <laughs> with those like lace up boxer boots. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it's, so it just hit me. I was like, huh, yeah, I guess I've never seen really like a health club or a gym like really before like the late 70s. So, well, the and, gym, a gym in the 70s was just going to a club and dancing. Like disco yeah. was your gym in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> disco and cocaine kept you thin. So, I have to say something, uh, which this doesn't happen very often on the podcast, but this was a first time watch for me. <gasps> I have never seen Perfect really? before. Really? But, <gasps> and part of the reason why I wanted to pick it is because I have known about it forever. I've obviously seen clips of it because this there's a scene in this movie that we'll talk about in a second that is wide, widely gift at this point. But I want to say this right off the bat because I don't want to be super traumatic here. We're having a lot of fun. I am certainly not making this movie... I'm certainly not making the case for this movie being like, you know, fucking like out of Africa or something. But I swear to you that like, I don't know if I've ever felt this bad of a disconnection between like the popular opinion of a movie and then the thing that I felt when I was watching it. Like everything that I had read and heard about this movie was negative pretty much. Like I was like, I was looking at reviews and I was like, People thought this movie was tr- was trash, and they continue to think it's trash. Like, even when I yep. went on Letterboxd to, like, see what my friends thought of it, a lot of them were like, yeah, this movie sucks. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I kind of thought it was good. I kind of thought it was good. Well, why do you think it's good? Well, I will explain that in just a moment. But I, <laughs> I first of all, I feel like, I think that you like James Bridges is like a famous director, lots of chops. I mean, you got like good people in the film. I mean, look at Urban Cowboy. Like Urban Cowboy is kind of about a ridiculous thing, but it sort of 
became a, a good film because of the acting. And, you know, it's just like making a good movie around a ridiculous concept. And maybe aerobics is too ridiculous of a concept to try to make a serious film around. But, and I, I, but I swear to God, when I watch this movie, <laughs> I might be going out on a limb here. You might be like, girl, you're on your own. But I feel like Perfect is sort of this, like, it felt very Steven Soderbergh to me. Like, it feels like this is a prototype for a movie, like the first Magic Mike movie or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, take... I don't. Okay, you're definitely you're on your me, own there. Let me, you're let definitely me on your own there. But <laughs> So, Magic Mike is also a film, the first Magic Mike, let's get serious, which I don't know if you've seen the first Magic Mike, but... Yes. The first Magic Mike is ostensibly about a ridiculous, like, subculture of people. But there's also, like, a serious tale wrapped around it, right? And that's what Perfect is. Like, that's, like, you're basically, like, here's an 80s health club, weird, bulgy, spandex, belted, leotard thing. But then also, we're going to try to make it about, like, journalistic integrity, too. (laughs) But that that's where I think the disconnect is because I think this the 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 serious story is too convoluted. The serious sure. story for the film is like, wait, what? Who? Huh? Huh? Like he like he's pursuing a story about a dude who's like a mobster. Like, a, like he's just the story he's pursuing, I think, if they'd chosen a different story, it could have melded a little bit easier. But it's it feels very disjointed to me that he's pursuing this like ultra serious thing with this. Not so serious thing, but that's also what journalism is like. It's like not everything's going to be a fucking banger and you're going to have to pursue these weird little stories along with these big ones. So I definitely – it makes sense to me, but I think that if anyone is – that that to me is the only thing keeping this movie out of the Hall of Fame for me is that like the serious story is too serious. I would rather be more into the ridiculous part of it. Right. And I feel like that – okay, so that – I totally understand where you're coming from. That did not bother me as much as maybe it bothers everybody else. Because right. when I read about the actual, like, when I read about Aaron Latham and, like, he was actually writing an article about the DeLorean guy. John DeLorean, right. is that his name? Mm-hmm. And so while that was kind of working itself out, he also had a thought to write about health clubs. So it was kind of like it, in real life, it was a guy that was like, I'm writing about this one thing that's actually, like, kind of serious and is a business crime thing but then I'm also going to try to research this other thing at the same time cuz I'm in the I'm in LA or whatever. Right. I understand how people would be like okay that can be true but then also that just did not work in the movie version. <laughs> 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 but I don't know for me and again fresh eyes 2023 eyes I was like this is actually okay like I don't mind yeah. this at all. I'm not saying it's perfect. Get it? But I'm just saying that like wasn't as bad as people were saying it was. And so I was kind of right. like, what the fuck? I actually like this movie. It kind of, like yeah. I said, it kind of reminds me of the first Magic Mike. It kind of has, like, there's great acting in it, by the way. Great acting. Yeah, uh, I actually think it's really well made. Obviously, great shots, great scene construction. The soundtrack is amazing, too. And, I mean, I just yeah. was like, okay, well, this isn't complete garbage. Like, right. it's not even like your film where it's like your film is like a trash treat you know this movie is like you know i'm not saying like like i said it's not like completely serious like cinema but it's also like not as 
not trash. Yeah. It's not a trash movie to me. No, it has so, like a narrative you can follow and it's, you yeah. know, it makes like, sense. Yeah. Like it won. I just read that it was winning all these like Razzies, like golden raspberry awards. I'm like, I, I'm not a fan of the Razzies, by the way. No. But I'm just like, really? People hated it that much, huh? But look, I, like I said, I, uh, I watched it with fresh new eyes and enjoyed it very much. A one-sentence synopsis, I don't know if I even, I think we kind of revealed it, which is basically like a Rolling Stone reporter is is writing an article about, uh, you know, a uh, convicted businessman, but is derailed once he finds this world of like 80s aerobics, essentially. And uh, yeah, so like, so here's the thing about John Travolta. <laughs> I guess I never realized this until the first literal two minutes of the movie was he like really tall is he tall i don't know like, i think so because there's a scene of him walking down the street of new york with like and i guess maybe these two people are maybe on the shorter side but i was like travolta is fucking huge he like, looked kind of kind of tall and welcome back cotter yeah he's six two i just oh. looked it up okay that's pretty tall i'm look i'm five four so that's tall for me He's a but foot taller like, than you. <laughs> yeah, Almost yeah, yeah, a foot yeah. taller than you. <laughs> but I, it was, for some reason, it was like very opening scene. He's walking down the street with, and these people, like the two people that he were walking with, I was like, yo, Travolta's a fucking biggin. This is kind of hot. I didn't realize Travolta was that big. So, I don't know. Not to, not to say, I think it stopped there, by the way. I was like, okay. Because there are scenes in the movie that are unforgivable for him. I can't. <laughs> I can't even go there. But um, so like I said, he's so Travolta at the beginning of the movie, you know, he's trying to get this interview with this businessman who's called Joseph McKenzie. Um, you know, I think it obviously in the real version, it's John DeLorean. But, um, you know, this Joseph McKenzie guy is involved in this like very 1980s scenario where he's like been busted for drugs, but claims that he was set up by the FBI because he was trying to sell computers to Iron Curtain countries. And I swear, I have not heard the term Iron Curtain in a long time. The 80s were fucking obsessed with the Cold War. Obsessed. <laughs> they didn't know anything about it, but they were obsessed with it. Yeah. And I swear to God, I heard about the Iron Curtain because of wrestling. Was that weird? <laughs> Who was that wrestler? The, his name was like Bolshevik or something like that. <laughs> oh, Nikita... Nikita Koloff? Is that his name? Well, now you know I got to look it up. Oh, God. You got to look it up. Nikolai Volkov. Nikolai Volkov. Nikolai Volkov. How could I fucking forget that? Yeah. Listen, you know those WWF? I mean, it was like the U the model UN in there. Like all these <laughs> people like, from... We, we got the Iron Sheik. We got Nikolai Volkov. We got Hacksaw Jim Dugan. We're representing everybody. We've got Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Coco Beware. We're even going into the goddamn jungle for this shit. We'll give you a Samoan. We'll give you someone with a parrot. The the amount of space that 80s wrestlers take up in my brain, like their names or just their yes. whole it's it's shocking. Like yeah. don't ask me anything about the Civil War, for example, but I will yeah. rattle off a list of fucking 80s wrestlers right off the dome. Oh yeah. Like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was my Ugh. early representation. Asian AAPI representation right there. Ah! <laughs> 
Jake the Snake Roberts scared us all the way from sex for most of our fucking adult lives. I'm like, who is this guy with a fucking python wrapped around him? He's all oiled up and wearing like leathery skin pants. Like, I'm terrified of men until I see Kevin Klein two years later. Yes. That that is quite a shift, by the way. <laughs> that's quite the sexual shift. That's sometimes that's how your taste develops. Is you have to know what scares you before you can know what titillates you. You're oh like, yeah. Jake the snake, terrifying. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's wrapped up in the same person. Like for me, it was Kip Winger of the band Winger. <laughs> I was like, I'm scared as fuck, but also like, huh? <laughs> it's because he had those fangs and like, I don't know, his yeah. teeth were just really long, and he had that feathered frosted hair and I'm like I don't get him he was always very confusing he was a high bass player too which is also yes. like super fucking weird oh god it was like, it's weird he was slapping the bass you know he's just one of those guys him and Mark Slaughter Mark Slaughter was also very sexually confusing to me <laughs> me too With like his high pitched voice <laughs> I'm like what's Listen, happening do not make me sing Fly to the Angels because I will sing the entire thing make you or let you <laughs> it's so, all it's all nestle commercials 80s wrestlers and fucking fly to the angels up there folks it's all we got going on in our brains oh my god oh my god um so so, <laughs> so adam the the john travolta character right so he's like i'm so stuck on high bass player okay i'm sorry go <laughs> Well, I'm going to post a picture of that, by the way, on our Instagram. Please don't, because so I'm guys... sure he's like a convicted felon by now. <laughs> <laughs> High base crimes. Oh, my God. So Adam, you know, the John Travolta character, you know, while he's waiting for this, you know, interview to come around, he spots a couple of people coming out of a gym or something. And he's like, huh, what's that? What's uh, these hot ladies in leotards? What are they doing? And then so he decides that he's going to write this other story. In the meantime, where he's going to go to L.A. and kind of, you know, embed himself into like a health club and see if he can uh, figure out, you know, if these gyms are like the new singles bars. So that's kind of his angle. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's got this editor at Rolling Stone who is played by Jan Wenner, the actual co-founder of Rolling Stone. And I have to say, I don't I don't know much about him if he had like an acting career, but I got to say he's pretty good. He's a pretty yeah. good actor. You wouldn't look at him right away and be like, that is a fucking editor. Like that is yes. a real life like new magazine dude. He he got he had some, you know, he could work, work his way around the scene. Yeah. He kind of has this like uh, Oliver Platt thing going on. I yeah. kind of appreciated it. But, also, um, I wonder if his connection to the film is why they were able to get such good cameos. Oh, definitely. Oh, my God. The cameos are insane. Like, you, like, it's just insane things. I mean, you've got, like, Carly Simon, who throws a drink in John Travolta's face. But the drink looks like tomato soup when she throws it. Yeah. Might have been, like, a Bloody Mary or something, but, like, that's in her, her. In her glass, it looks like sparkling rosé, but then she throws it on him, and I'm like, where's this soup coming from? <laughs> Maybe she's like, <laughs> I'm going to pick up a Bloody Mary that somebody else is drinking and throw in his face. <laughs> I'm not wasting my own got, drink. <laughs> right. You got her. And then there's like a scene where like a bunch of people are making liquid nitrogen ice cream. <laughs> and like it's Lore, it's Lauren Hutton. And you're like, what? Oh God, I love it. I mean, if, if this is like happening at a party that over at his editor's house. And I'm like, at first I was like, are they making a volcano diorama from like <laughs> elementary school? Like, why is there smoke and it's like oh they're making ice cream it's so weird 
<laughs> They're making dipping dots. Leave them alone. Leave them the fuck alone. They're just on cocaine. <laughs> let them let him be weird. So Adam finds himself this this place in LA called the Sports Connection, which they quickly ca- start calling the Sports Erection. Oh my god! Very and, very professional. Yes, and and he's walking around, and then you know he peeks into one of the um, rooms, and he spots this woman teaching aerobics, and the class is fucking packed. And it's this woman named Jessie Wilson, and she's played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, we are going to stop right now, and we're going to talk about Jamie Lee in this film. Because she is all crotch, and she knows it. Like, holy fucking shit. Just a nude pantyhose and a slim belt. Yes, she's got high, high cut leotards on. Like, Showing there's at least, like, 10 feet of leg going on. And 10 feet of crack. There's, like, 10 feet of butt crack in every scene of this movie. Absolutely. And I'll just tell you right now. I mean, this is because... I don't know if this is, like, some psychological thing, but I'm just like, when you are forced to watch people intensely doing something that is, like, closed up on their private parts, like, underneath clothes, you're like... What the hell is going on? I'm like, how come we're not seeing, like... It's incredible how... And this is just saying Jamie Lee. I'm not talking about Travolta. We will get to that in just a second. But, like, Jamie Lee has, like, a Barbie crotch. It's, like, perfect. (laughs) There's no... There's no, like, extruding pubic hairs. There's no mound of pubic hairs. There's no, like, slightly sharded like, wet spot moment going on in the back. Like, it's perfect. No She's got sweat. a perfect Barbie crotch. She can never, she never got a, her period once in her life. This character never got her period. Never. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be disgusting by saying any of that to, you know, Oscar-winning actress Jamie Lee Curtis, but, like, I was like, she, we're seeing her crotch. Like, this is her, her crotch is the, the character in this film. And it's easily findable on the internet, by the way, because they show, I mean, every time I'm on Twitter, I see clips of this, like, her pumping, her thrusting, thrusting. Oh, my my God. Wow. How can she keep that so perfect? She's got the perfect crotch to butt area. Like, that whole area is very, very nice. I feel like there's a lot of spray glue going on to keep things in place. (laughs) A lot of, like, nude tights and spray glue. Yeah. Like, there wasn't, like, a protruding labial fold or anything. It was just perfect. Perfectly smooth. Moving on. So, (laughs) moving on from labial fold. (laughs) Um, So, Adam wants to interview Jesse really bad. And he is, I think it's because he's horny for her, but also he wants, he's like, she's, like, she's the Pied Piper of aerobics. That's what they call her, the Pied Piper of aerobics. I mean, she does Uh, teach a class called Slimnastics. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's the Pied Piper of many things. Yeah, so she's the, she's the hottest teacher at the sports erection, okay? And, so, you know, basically, he's like, I want to interview. And immediately, she's like, cuts him off of the hill. She's like, I don't do interviews. I don't want to talk to you. I've been burned before. Uh, we later find out it's because she was, uh, you know, basically on the Olympic swim team, and she was having an affair with her coach. And then some reporter, like, 
interviewed her under the guise of maybe her accomplishments, but then they ended up writing this salacious article about her affair, and then he, like, lost his job. It's very, <laughs> like, you're saying it's convoluted, and I'm like, it's not convoluted, and now I'm like, yeah, it's a little convoluted. Like, it's a lot. A lot of sto- a lot of details in the story, but anyway, the bottom line is that she's distrustful of Adam, right? And um, at the same time, though, they're, uh, they're nosing around, like, they definitely, like, there's this scene, okay, bad tech alert. There's a lot of bad laptop tech in this movie. Makes me sick. Sickening. <laughs> it's not quite three days the condor bad, but it's bad. But there's yeah. a scene where they're, like, seducing each other via laptop, and, like, it's, like, each other typing, like, want a book? And I'm like, what in the world? Not for nothing, but they stole my move. <laughs> they, I was going to say. That's out of the Daniel Henderson playbook. <laughs> like, I've got time to beat around the fucking bush here. <laughs> so, um, but then, you know, they eventually hook up. Duh. And, I mean, they end up actually, she likes him enough to where she picks him up at the airport, which in L.A. means you must really like somebody. Mm-hmm. Come on. Uh, the thing about Jesse that's outrageous to me is that she lives in the house she lives in a house with, like, four people, including this guy who fucking straight up looks like Roger Daltrey from The Who yes. meets somebody from Kaja Goo, the band Kaja Goo. And, and David Bowie from Labyrinth with that fucking bulge. Okay, that was the literally the next words on my piece of paper, <laughs> was that we're introduced to him. He's in the class that she's... Um, teaching, and he's wearing this purple leotard, and he has this ginormous bulge. Right? Not even penile. It's not even penile. It is just a mound. Yes. I'm I'm talking about, this is like Romeo from the Zeffirelli version of Romeo and Juliet. Like, this huge bulge in tights. (laughs) And I'm like... Who the fuck is this guy? Like, when I first saw it, I was like, is that her boyfriend? I know, because she's kissing him on the lips and, like... But yes. then it turns out he's in, like, some three, some thruple. Like, uh, he's he's a... He's, they could have built the whole movie around him and I would have been fine. I know. I was like, Adam, go home. Go to New York. <laughs> Let's focus on this, this house. This, like, you know, Spanish-style house that these aerobics instructors are living in who are all in a thruple with this labyrinth guy. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Also, <laughs> not for nothing, but Jesse's mom also just hangs out in the house and she's, the minute that Adam meets her, like, she's trying to shove divinity down everybody's throat. Which, what the and, fuck is that? They never explain it. It's just like a dessert, I guess? Let me tell you, I've lived in the South for like 40 years and even I'm not that Southern to eat divinity. Jesus Christ. Like, I think divinity is like trashy meringue. It's like meringue, <laughs> like pieces of meringue made with like pure corn syrup. I swear to God, I feel like you have to be like <laughs> descendants of the Civil War to really fuck with divinity. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've even had shit like Hop and John, like I like and yeah, and pot liquor, like just like Southern foods. I've never, I don't even think I've ever had divinity. Like I've never asked for divinity. And you're Catholic. <laughs> you feel like they'd be so, the first people to be like, have some divinity. It's a dessert and it's the way of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. So strange. <laughs> but the fact that it gets mentioned at all in this movie is so bizarre. 
I actually really appreciated it, to be honest. But but here's the thing. So Adam and, and Jesse are hot. They're hot and heavy now. And, like, he eventually takes a class with her. And let me tell you, this is the, the center focal point of this film. It is absolutely buck fucking wild. <laughs> and it, it delivered on everything that I'd ever seen online, every time I've been told about it. <laughs> You, I mean, I'm telling you, there's clips of it on social media. You can see it, but you really need to see it in real time during the film. Oh, God. I will say this. It is my opinion that Travolta's bulge is 100% disturbing to the point where I was like, I have to look away because this shit lasts forever. It goes on for so long. And he was wearing those shorts that they only, like, they, they, they made him in the 80s. Thankfully, I think the tech has advanced. But back in the 80s, your gym shorts were loose. And there was like yes. a little net basket that was doing nothing, nothing yes. for any genitals at all. Yeah. And the net basket was just a fucking swing zone. Yeah. And it, it was, was like a... Weird. Yes. It was like a mesh banana hammock sewed into these tiny ass shorts. And I was like, can we cut away? Can we just cut away? Take it off of this. Like, I'm like we're seeing outlines of dick and balls, and I don't want to see this at all. Like, I'm just not. Get get Xenu in here to fucking edit this shit out. This is not like you need to check the stages of your Scientology chart because I'm sure dick swinging pants is not it part of the process. <laughs> And just this, even this like, cut to someone in the background. There are 80 people in this class. There, this, this class is so big. There's like a multi-level floor. Like there's people upstairs, downstairs, like yes. cut to somebody else with like a tiny belt or a leg warmer. No, it's yeah. all his crotch, her crotch, his crotch, her crotch. James Bridges is a G. He was like, <laughs> we, we're going to stay on this shit forever. Like this is going to be the Jean Deal men of crotch shots. We're going to do the three hour version. Like, fuck it. <laughs> I was like, damn. Was that Bruder film of crotches? Yeah, and like, and that's the thing. Th this is the scene that is the, the twin to your film, which is that here are two people sweating and staring at each other hungrily. <laughs> Maybe that's the alternate theme of the week is just like shots of two people staring at each other while sweating. <laughs> Pumping their crotches. Oh, so, although, to be fair... It's a it's a move. It's a very direct flirt move where you're like, do you see what's going on here? This is what I want us to be doing. Like, there's no questions asked if you see someone humping the air and just staring at you directly. Yeah. I mean, I that has happened to me on new, many a New York subway. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> if you've lived in a major city, you've had this scene unfortunately happen to you or at you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I mean it is epic. It is it was like as promised. It was absolutely delivered as sold. Like it was great. So basically like so this is all happening. Then at some point Jesse gets freaked out by Adam's insistence of wanting to interview her because he's like really fucking pressuring her and she's like, "No, I had a bad experience." So she ghosts him eventually. And so then Adam decides, "Okay, well, I'm just going to focus, you know, on these two other women at the sports erection who are played by the twin hot to trot redheads of this establishment, Mary Lou Henner and Lorraine Newman. Gotta say, Mary Lou is hot as fuck in this movie. Completely. I was like, love her look, love her whole vibe. 
this this epic scene. The other epic scene that I had heard about was this Chippendale scene because apparently Mary Lou Henner's character met her current boyfriend slash fiance at the sports erection, and he's a Chippendales dancer, which is my fucking dream. That, <laughs> that is a dream. Can you imagine? It is. It is. It seems like it would be a dream until you see it in action. Because when I saw this scene again, and again, I have not seen this scene for a smooth 30 years, I completely forgot that his outfit is a jock strap and there is so much ass hair. Just like <laughs> that crack, the hair in his crack is so present that it yeah. is distracting. Like these women are going nuts. And I'm like, but that sweaty ass crack hair is right there. It's right in your face. Male strip clubs, especially in the 80s, especially in the Chippendales, it's a lot of pomp and circumstance and there's characters. So it's right. like you've got your firefighter, you got your cop, you got your jock, you know, like they're all the characters. I love the character work of the Chippendales. <laughs> and I, that's why I was like, oh my God, if my, my, like if I met a guy and he told me he was a Chippendales dancer and he had to wear those like tuxedo, tuxedo cuffs and <laughs> had to dress like... <laughs> A pair of tearaway like, chaps. Lumberjack. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would be, I would love that. It's it's pure theater for me. And that, that's like, what? And then this, so here's the thing that happens. Mary Lou's boyfriend is truly giving the performance of a lifetime. He's serving, like, so much ass. It's insane. Like, first of all, he at some point moonwalks in his jock, <laughs> jock strap, which is so funny. I was like, what a fucking look to moonwalk oh in a jockstrap. And then the other thing that surprised me was that he's actually kissing people on the mouth. I was like, yeah. are they allowed to do that? Again, the 80s never met an STI it, at all. They're like, let's just <laughs> like, give everyone some herpes today. How about we just spread spread the love? Mono? Have you ever <laughs> had mono? Because you do now. You do now. <laughs> the best part of the scene is when, like, like this guy's going around kissing all these women, and then there's like a bouncer Chippendale that comes in, and he's like the cooler. He's like the guy that comes like, uh, 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 ladies, take your vulvas off the performers. Can we can we back up, please? Give oh, him God. some room. Give his ass hair some room. And P.S. The people in this scene were your moms or grandmas, depending on your age. <laughs> yeah. Your grandmas on a Friday night were fucking neck deep. In some jockstrap crotch, yeah. full mouth kissing of strangers. That's what they yeah. did. S such a fun scene. And so what, it, what ends up happening is that, like, you know, he gets, like, Adam kind of hooks up with these two women. You know, he there's Linda, who is played by Lorraine Newman. And, you know, she's, I think, very vulnerable and honest about, like, what's going on in her life. Like, she's like, mm -hmm. I'm single. You know, I live in L.A. I, w I really want to find love. And maybe I'm going to get a nose job. And maybe I'm going to do all these things. And maybe that's why I'm at the gym all the time. I mean, you know, it, obviously she's got body image issues, like everybody does. But it's, like, his whole thing is that he's like, well, I'm going to write this article about, like, these... And it's kind of this weird, like, slut-shamey vibe, too, which is, like, he starts writing the article, and then, you know, eventually it's completed, and it's like, he's just basically... I don't know, he kind of comes at it from, like, the angle of, like, well, I'm this guy from New York, and I'm an intellectual, and, like, look at these L.A. freaks and bimbos, and, you know, they're all, like, hoes and... 
it kind of is um it comes from like an elitist perspective like a, an elitist journalistic perspective and i think that's the part of the journalistic integrity message of the movie is that basically it's like oh adam's not this totally great guy like he's he's kind of a snob and he's coming at this world like they're the weirdos and mm-hmm. you know so that's what i'm talking about when it in terms of that i was like oh that makes sense that's a that's a great angle right like yeah. to 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 frame the movie like that and then it just kind of goes from there like Jesse calls him out for writing this shitty article. You know, he eventually interviews this Joseph McKenzie guy, but then it get, he gets embroiled in this whole, like, criminal case um, because of the tapes of the interview. And, look, I, like I said before, I'm not saying this movie is perfect. I'm not saying this movie is, like, high art. But it's actually entertaining. I think it's actually a good movie. It's not as bad as I was ever led to believe it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It's a good film. Yeah, that's fair. You're allowed. <laughs> yes, if you're allowed to be both. Like you're allowed to be trashy and interesting, or trashy and like semi-intellectual. I don't know. Yep. I try. I try to do that every day in my life. So maybe it's just me. But... Just entertaining. Yeah, you're allowed to just be entertaining. Yes. So. Anyway, I at the end of the day, these two movies, like I said, are perfect for the theme. Uh, we had so much spandex, it was kind of unforgivable. But I hey, love a spandex I outfit. I just love a, a a workout outfit. Imagine wearing a belt when you work out. I just, I love it. Like four pairs of pants, eight pairs of pantyhose, a belt. It was a scene. <laughs> it was a scene. Leg warmers to keep your ankles warm. Like... I still, I wore leg warmers and I'm still like, I don't know what that was for. (laughs) What was that for? (laughs) Fashion. For pure fashion looks. Uh, What a great week. I know. Also, listen, I, if you, if you somehow have photographs of like people of your, of your life or maybe you in full spandex exploitation mode, please send them to, I saw what you did, pod at gmail.com because I would kill to see them. Let's see if we need some kind of legal release for that. <laughs> you said, like, here's my dad working out. And your dad's like, I am suing those idiots. <laughs> oh, God. No, there's a picture. I'll post a picture of my mom. I'm sure she would be so happy to see this picture online because she looks so hot in it or whatever. But, like, she's wearing, like, a leotard underneath a pair of short sweat shorts, I guess. Full leg warmers. And she's, like, posing in front of my car that I drove in high school. Ah! For some reason. And I'm like, and she's got huge hair. And I'm like, oh God, she please. looks fucking cool as shit. I mean, it's so hilarious. Please ask if you could post it. Please oh, ask her. She'd oh, be God. like, oh, hell yeah. She's a listener of the pod. She would love to be to be shown in that way. Hilarious. But yeah, so send us anything you got. Even if you just want to chat about movies. I saw what you did pod at gmail.com. And you can find us on our social media at I saw pod on Instagram and Twitter. We also have merch. Go to the I Saw What You Did section of the Exactly Right Shop to find it. And our bonus episodes come out all the time. They're free now. They're not behind a paywall. The new episodes are up the third Thursday of every month. All right, Danielle. Tell the folks what the movies are for next week. Okay, next week we have Monsoon Wedding from 2001 and Midnight Express from 1978. Holy shit. Sometimes the movies just make me laugh. Like, I know what the theme is, but just like, huh. Those two together? Okay. Those two together. 
As always, Danielle, a fucking pleasure doing this podcast with you. The best. Bye. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced by Casey O'Brien. Mixed by Edson Choi. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogle. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstart, Karen Kilgariff, and Daniel Kramer. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IsawPod. And you can email us at IsawWhatYouDidPod at Gmail. Follow I Saw What You Did on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review the show. And visit ExactlyRightStore.com to purchase I Saw What You Did merch.